Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Uh, Let's open up our Bibles today to the book of Luke. Uh, We're going to look at Luke chapter 12. Um, I've had something on my heart for for quite some time when it comes uh, towards our big give. And for those of you who are new to church or new to Word of Life, uh, typically every year about this time, we will do what is called our big give. And it's a moment for us to center our hearts on Jesus Um, This is not something that is designed to manipulate anybody into giving. Um, This is, especially if you're new to church, uh, something that is very difficult for so many people to step into. It's counterculture, which is the way it should be. (laughs) Uh, The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life, and a life of, of generosity is a narrow way. It challenges us unlike anything else challenges us because it makes it real. Uh, We can say we love the Lord. We can say we'll do whatever he tells us to do. Um, And then money puts that to the test uh, because giving is the chief expression of love. God did not uh, sit in heaven and be like, you know what, I really want him to know I love him. Uh, And so split the heavens and been like, I love you. See you later. Um, God so loved the world that he gave. uh, That what we love, our treasure goes towards. If you love soccer, it goes towards that. If you love golf, your money will go towards that. If you love your children, the Lord knows I love my children. Uh, because my money has gone towards that. Uh, you know, those types of things. Wherever you, whatever you love and whoever you love, your resources flow in that direction. If you love yourself, your resources flow in your direction. And so this is something here at Word of Life, giving that we talk about very little because a lot of times churches, especially churches that are non-denominational, have a stigma that's like, all they care about is your money. And we just want to flip that on its head and not pass buckets. We stopped doing that over 10 years ago. Not do big offering segments. Not constantly like lead with, if you give this, God will give you this. Uh, God's not a lottery or a genie. Um, he is a provider and a protector and a blesser. But the goal of giving is not to become more selfish. (laughs) That's not not the end goal. Um, Yes, our giving does open up uh, a pathway and a doorway for God to do something for us that he could not do otherwise. And we see that all throughout scripture. But the chief reason why we would give or participate in a big give or tithe or give offerings or sacrificial offerings is because what it does in our heart and an understanding that we have. And today, for some of you, I want to tell you what that understanding is because you probably have never heard anything about what I'm about to tell you. Uh, For others of you, you may have heard this before, but maybe this has not been the center of your focus. And I think during this season and during this time, and especially around this subject, it'd be a wonderful thing to focus on. Um, So there's an encounter where Jesus is teaching, 
And there is a young man there who interrupts Jesus' message, and he asks him a question. Uh, Now, we're about to read that question, and when we do, I want you to ask, while we're reading it, what was his motivation, what was he thinking, and then probably biggest of all, how was he feeling in this moment? So let's read it together. Uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse number 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, talking to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Uh, So this is the context. Jesus is teaching. Someone stands up, interrupts him, and he says, tell my brother to give me what is owed me. What's the connotation here? Uh, That if he gives me more money, my life will be better. Uh, And that the reason why I am upset right now is I don't have the money I should have. And when I get the money that I should have, then I'll be happier. And then life will be better and everything will be more wonderful. So tell him to give me uh, the money that belongs to me. And this is so interesting because here we see what most people do is they value success over love and connection. So here, can you see the division between him and his brother? Is that his, is what his mind is on? He's not thinking about his connection with his brother. Uh, he's not thinking about how this is making him feel. And it seems like the other brother is not either. Uh, that they have people who are solely clinging to this idea that if I have the money, then I have the success and I'll feel good. And so the reason why I'm upset is because I don't have the money. And the reason why I would be happy is if I do have the money. But yet, does not society, like even if you're not a, a God follower or read scripture, does not society show us that that's not the truth? Uh, the other day, I was reading, literally, the other day, yesterday, I was reading a newspaper out of uh, London, and it was talking about Paul McCartney, and he's got a new book apparently coming out about his time with the Beatles, and it's like four years of when, you know, the Beatles were like global and all those types of things, and so he wrote kind of an autobiography um, off of that, and it was a little excerpt from the book that comes out this month. That's not a pitch. I just read the article. Uh, I don't know if you should buy it. If you're a Beatles fan. Uh, but anyway, uh, it just caught my eye because it was talking about when he was breaking up with the Beatles. And they had this moment where him and his bandmates that he had been with for years were going through tension. Now, the Beatles, in case you, you didn't know, were like the greatest, like most successful, like in numbers standpoint, rock band that ever hit the planet. They got their fame, height of it, got more money, more power than, than you could ever possibly imagine. And like go out, get a free meal, go out, like have people just throw themselves at you, do anything you want them to do just to be close to you. And Paul is an alcoholic. He's miserable, he's gaining weight, he's growing a beard, not because he wanted to look more manly, but because he lacked the motivation to shave, he said. Completely miserable. Because while he has all of this money, what he does not have is love and connection. He doesn't have it with himself, he doesn't have it with his God, and he doesn't have it with his bandmates. See, love and connection is a higher value than success. And how often times do we treat success and it costs and, and chase it and it costs us our love and connection with ourselves, our love and connection with God, and our love and connection with others? And God is like, if you focus on love and connection, 
that you, you genuinely love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your strength, all your might, that you genuinely love others as God has loved you, and you genuinely love yourself. If you have a strong connection with yourself, you have a strong connection with others, you have a strong connection with God, you know what you feel? You feel, get this, rich. When you're at peace with yourself, when you're at peace with God, and you have peace with the people that you love, you know what you feel? You feel incredibly rich. And and this is something that so many people are chasing success, and it's costing them love and connection, and we feel it. And it's not just Paul McCartney. It's literally all of us um, outside of this, our rooms, all of us, um, or I shouldn't say all, most people had this idea that if I could just have more, like this young man, if I just had money, then I would be better. And so based off of this question, Jesus tells a story. Let's read the story in verse 14. He said unto him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? Then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has abundance does his life consist of his possessions. He's like, if you think if you have a lot of money, you'll be happy, you are wrong. Your life consists more than what you possess. And this is Jesus giving a teaching on this. And so he tells a story to illustrate his point. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. So he's already rich, now he's more rich. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, what will I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, I know what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. Now, notice he didn't abuse it. Like a lot of people, when they teach this, he's like, he tore down his house and built a better house. No, he didn't do that. He tore down his barn where he stored it. And he built a bigger barn because he didn't want to lose it. And so in his mind, if I don't lose my money and I got a lot of money, then I can be happy. Um, So I'm not going to abuse it. I'm just not going to use it. And so he keeps it and he tears down his barn, the place where he stores all of his possessions, and he builds a bigger one. And now they're all there and they're not being abused, but they're not being used And he has this all set up. It'd be like having a huge savings account or a lot in retirement. And he said in verse 19, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Uh, Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So he's like, American dream, comfort. (laughs) Like here I am. Uh, I've got enough where I don't... (laughs) I'm getting ahead of the punchline. But here's basically what he's saying. I've got enough, I don't even need a provider. I have been such a good uh, provider for myself uh, that I can eat, drink, and be merry. And like, I haven't abused it, I haven't used it, but I still have it, and I'll have it for a long, long time. And based off of this, I can live this great life. And so watch what Jesus says. But God said unto him in verse 20, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you, meaning you die. And now who will own what you have prepared? That's a great question. How many of you know death shows you you own nothing? If you, well, no, Pastor Joe, I own a lot. Die. 
Um, and you will see somebody will get your stuff. It's either the person you willed it to or the federal government, but someone will take what you own because you don't own it. And this is Jesus's point. And so watch what he says here. So as every man, verse 21, so is the man or woman who stores up treasure for themselves and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as what you will eat, nor for your body as what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Well, what's, what's more than that? Eternity. Uh, it keeps going. Consider the ravens. Look at the birds, he says. For they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable uh, are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to your lifespan? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Look at the flowers. They grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like unto one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, and is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you people of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all of these things the nations of the world eagerly seek and are thinking about, we would say, but your father knows that you have need of these things. So instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourselves money belts, which you do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I had three points, we're only going to get to one, but here's my first one. In this story, this guy only thought about comfort and legacy and nothing about eternity. Uh, so with his finances, here's what his, his thought is. If I can get enough, then I can be comfortable. I can eat, drink, have my fun, be merry. That if I get enough money, then I can start really enjoying life. And so he saves up and 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 saves up for what? Comfort. And then it's like, well, in, in our minds, like even if I don't get to use it all, I get to leave a legacy. And legacy is what remains on the earth when you die. Uh, when you die, what did you leave on the earth? But here's the scriptural narrative, and this is what Jesus is trying to teach and what the Apostle Paul talked about often and something that I, nor the American church, talks about often enough, is that uh, we don't just have this life. This life is but a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. The days can be long. You doubt that? Have a newborn. The days can be long, but the years are short. And the more you live life, the more you see just how short time actually is. You know why? This is not your home. That there is a, a moment in the not-too-distant future for all of us where you will stand before Jesus. And before you go into heaven, you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ 
And you will give an account for what you did in this life. And based off if you made Jesus the Lord of your life determines where you go. But based off how you lived your life is what lasts forever with you. And this is something that Paul taught on repeatedly. And this is something that Jesus is illustrating in this story. Is that while you have all of this for your comfort, you don't get to enjoy it. But not only that, because you didn't use it for the advancement of God's kingdom, there is nothing that you laid up for in heaven. And so his point is, is I will be your provider, I will be your protector. Fear not, little flock. It's my pleasure to give you the whole kingdom. I want you clothed and I want you fed. And he said, if you doubt that, look at the birds. I feed the birds, I'm going to feed you. He said, if you doubt that, look at the flowers. You don't have to worry about clothing yourself, and I don't even care if you're clothed nice. He said, even Solomon was not clothed like the flowers. He said, that's how I want to clothe you. He said, I know that the world, all they think about is money and all they think about is comfort and all they think about is legacy. And he said, I'm telling you that if you will seek to use your resources, your life, your time, your talent, your money, if you will seek to use your resources to expand my kingdom first, he said, all the things that the world is seeking, I will lay them beside you. I will add them to you. But we must be a people, and I must be a pastor. I must be a father. God's given me three children to steward. I must be a father that thinks about eternity. Go over to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to show you these scriptures, and I, I would love it if you did bring a Bible for you to like, look at them in your Bible. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 8. We are of good courage, I say. And watch, watch this. And prefer, rather, to be absent from the body. What's he talking about there? Death. How many of you know when, when your body dies, you don't? That your body is just um, the house you're living in. It's the temple your spirit is in. If you've ever been to a funeral and it was an open casket, you can look at them and say, that's not them. And you could never be more Right? That's not them. That's the house they lived in. And when you die, you're absent from the body. And this is what he's talking about here, is being absent from the body. Um, He says to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Where's our home? Our home is in the Lord. Our home is heaven. Um, Even this, uh, this is the world's home. We want the world to come here and find Jesus because as soon as they find Jesus, uh, this is not their home anymore. Uh, He is their home, and heaven is their home. And Paul actually says, I prefer that. Uh, I'm living for eternity. I'm thinking about the next life. My focus is not on this life. My focus is on the next life. And watch what he says here. Therefore, we also have, I underlined this and highlighted it this morning for my devotional, man, it blessed me. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, our desire, whether at home, meaning in heaven, or absent, meaning on earth, to be pleasing unto him. 
He says, you know what I want? You know what I really want in life? I want to be pleasing unto him. What did the rich man say? Uh, you know what I really want in life? I want comfort. I want to eat. I want to drink. And I want to be merry. And Paul said, we have this ambition. What are you ambitious over? To be pleasing unto him. That the way I handle my money, that the way I handle my time, that the way I handle my life, the way I handle my children, that the way I talk to my wife, that the, the way I treat my staff, that the way I live my life would be pleasing unto him. And why would be my next question. Why would someone live with that ambition? And I think the American church today would say, because if you do, God will bless you. And that's true. Um, You know, God's not a respecter of person, but he is a respection of actions. And when you live a forgiving, giving, holy lifestyle that's pleasing unto the Lord, it leads to good things happening here. But I think for the next level of discipleship, it would be for us, well, why why do I have the ambition to please him? Because I love him. And I live for his pleasure. But you know why Paul said we are to live to please him? Watch what he says next, which is the next level. He says, verse 10, for we must all. Now, let's just stop right there. We must all. Who's he talking to there? All. Uh, who does, what does all mean? All, every, everybody. Everybody. All means all. This means me. This means you. This means my son. My son, Boston. My son, Benjamin. This means my daughter, Reese. This means you. you. This moment is in your future. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed. Another word for that would be rewarded. I want you to notice there are rewards not just in this life, but there are rewards in the next life. For what? For his deeds done in the body. According to what he has done, whether good or bad. This word judgment, when you look it up, literally means an investigation. Uh, You know, like in court cases today, when you make a judgment... Uh, you know, a judge would consider all the evidence and based off of that evidence would begin to make a judgment. Uh, You can't have evidence without an investigation. And that's what this word judgment means. It means an investigation that yielded uh, evidence which turned into a judgment. And here it says that you will have a moment before heaven where we all must stand before the Lord Jesus and we will give an account for what we did in this body. With what? Our children, our time, our money, our words, um, our actions. We will give an account for what we did in the body and not just for the good stuff, he says, for the good and the bad. We will give an account for what we did in the body before the judgment seat of the Lord. Now, this was not a one-off teaching. We just read it there in Luke chapter 12 where this rich man was going to have to give an account for what he did. And the Lord said, you were foolish with what you did. 
And the, the man could have said, well, I didn't lose it. And God would say, but you didn't use it. There was no advancement of the kingdom of God. Um, there at the, at the 830 service at Highland Colony, um, my son was there. And um, my oldest was there. He's 14 years old. And I saw him out of the corner of my eye, and I used him as a message illustration, which all pastor kids can't stand, um, because I was a pastor kids once, and my dad did this to me a couple of times, and um, it, it, it made me nervous. Uh, and so out of that, uh, but I pulled him up. I'm like, come here, son. He's 14 years old, and he's like big 14. Um, and we're, we've been working out together. He's always been athletic and been in like rec league sports and travel ball and all those things. Now he's geared towards football and, you know, he's in the eighth grade, you know, trying to gear up to, to take on ninth and 10th graders. And so we've been lifting and he's getting stronger and it's been a joy to, to be able to spend that time with him. But I saw him today at the 830 service, and he always, ever since he was a little guy, he just never has been afraid to worship. He didn't care who's in the room. He didn't care who's watching him. He's just been a worshiper, always. Man, it bless, it's such a gift to me. I'd rather have that than, than anything I possess. That's the truth. Like, it, it brings me to tears almost every time I see it. But I came and I stood him up. And I said, it's so funny to me, even as a parent, how much we emphasize natural things, even in the lives of our children. But when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, how much he bench pressed does not matter. What trophy he won, scholarship he got, even if he went pro. If he did not leverage all of those things for the expansion of the kingdom of God, and if I did not teach him to do so, while in my house, it'll burn up before God. None of it will matter. And this is something that the early church led with, that all of them were not thinking about this life, all of them were actually thinking about the next life. And for me, what I want, especially as the day of the Lord Jesus draws closer, um, that for us as a church, for me as a pastor, for me as a father, for me as the head of a family, is that for us to be thinking more and more about the judgment seat of Christ and less and less about what we wear and less and less about where we go and less and less about all of these things, not saying that that's not important, but saying that is something our heavenly Father will think about and will add to us in this life, but our goal is to expand his kingdom. Watch what Paul said. We're, we're here in 2 Corinthians. Watch this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, here, the church at Corinth uh, has been very carnal. There's been a lot of division. Like Word of Life, there were multiple speakers uh, in the church at Corinth. So you had Apollos, but you also had Paul and, you know, other people who would come in. And we know we have campus pastors and John and me, and we all teach and preach. And uh, and so people being carnal and natural have their favorites. And so there was a big break here in Corinth. The people saying, you know what? I think Apollos should start his own church. Like that's exactly what Apollos should do. And because we really like Apollos, we like his preaching, we like his teaching. And others are like, no, we are Paul. Paul started this. And so there's like this division kind of coming up between them. 
And out of that, Paul writes this letter, and, and he's telling them, like, no, like, stop being carnal and thinking like that. He's like, we're all one body, and me and Apollos are not in competition. Like, we're, we're both adding our supply, and one plants and another one waters. But watch what he teaches when he begins teaching on this in verse number 8. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. But each will receive his, watch this, each will receive his own reward. Well, we're one body. He's like, yep. But each part of the body will receive their own reward. Where's he talking about? Not in this life. In the next one. He will receive his own reward. Uh, According what? To his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building, according to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about every one of us are building a life. Everyone, we can begin playing too. I kind of like music sometimes when I'm preaching. Uh, so out of that, every one of us are building a life, each one of us. And he says that in building your life, if you don't have the foundation of Jesus, nothing will last. You've built your life on sand. But he says, for those of us who've received Jesus, the foundation is laid. And he said, based off of that foundation, you build a life. Based off that foundation, I'm teaching my children what to love and care for. Based off that foundation, I'm I'm training up a family. Based off of that foundation, I'm building a career. Building a retirement account. Building uh, a job portfolio. But I'm building a life based off that foundation of Jesus. And hear what Paul is saying. Let each man and woman take into account how they build. Why? Watch what he says here. This is the New Testament. For no man, verse 11, can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus. If any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident for the day. What's the day? Judgment day. For the day will show it because it is revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And if a person's work, which they have built on it, remains... They will receive a reward. Where's that reward? Not this life. The next. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet is so through fire. Now this this is where, this is good news, this is good news, this is good news. He says at the end, I'm not talking about salvation. He says, based off of the deeds you've done in the body does not determine whether or not you get into heaven. He says, what determines whether or not you get into heaven is whether or not Jesus is your foundation. And if Jesus is your foundation, you're in. And I I love this because oftentimes when I hear this taught, it, it evolves around works that based off of what you've done in the body, 
uh, you know, that determines whether or not you get in or not. And Jesus is like, no, no. Paul's like, no, 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 no. This is not about you getting in. Read it again, verse number, verse number 15. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer the loss of it, but he himself will be saved as through fire. That you'll be saved. But he says before that moment where you pass through fire and go to eternity, he says you will give an account for how you built this life, what you put first, what you live for, what you thought about, how you trained those children, what you did with your money, what you did with your time, what you did with your career, what you did with your business, what you did with all those things. You will give an account. And he says, if it was gold and silver and precious stone, it'll last for all of eternity. But if he says it was wood, it was hay, and it was stubble, It'll be burned up through the fire. And at that moment, this is where the Lord Jesus is going to have to wipe every tear away from our eyes before we enter into glory. Because in heaven there is no sorrow and there is no grief. But right before that moment, there will be tears that he has to wipe away. You know why? Because we will see what we could have done. We will see how we could have leveraged our life. We will see the impact our life could have made if it was lived for the kingdom. We will see, I will see, if I made my children think sports were more important than Jesus. And the impact their life could have been made if I would have instilled Jesus in their heart. I will see like what my my finances in my life could have done. I will see what my time could have done. And I want to be able to stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. In Matthew 25, I'll close with this. In Matthew 25, there's this parable Jesus teaches. And he says, let me show you what life is like. He said, I'm going to take a journey. This is him leaving the earth. I'm going to take a journey. And I'm going to give people in the earth my resources to steward To one, I'll give five. To another one, I'll give two. And to another one, I give one. And he says, I'm going to take a journey and no one knows when I'm coming back. But he says, when I do come back, before any of them enter into the joy of the Lord, I will come and make them give an account for what I put in their hands. So to one, I gave five, and to another one, I gave two, and to another one, I gave one, each with their own ability to handle what I gave them. And finally, the master tarried his coming, but he finally made a decision to come back. And when he came back, he came to the one who who he gave five to, and he said this question, what did you do with what I gave you? Not, what would you have done? If I would have given you this or this or this or had you born here or here or here or gave you this or this or this, that's not the question. The question is, with what I gave you, what did I do? What did you do with what I put in your hands? And the guy who had five talents, he said, Lord, I took what you gave me. 
and I made it the best for you that I could make it. I, ta- I took five and I turned it into 10. I took what you gave me and I advanced it. I took it further. I took it forward. And here is now 10. And you know what the master said? He said, this is me on your way into heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with that which is little. Now in the next life, you will be rewarded with much more. Enter into the joy of the Lord, which is heaven. It's Jesus teaching on heaven. Then he came to the guy who had two talents. And I like to put it this way. We're all the two talent people, right? Um, because we could think of people, they have so much more than us. And we could look at what they had and be like, man, if I had their money, if I had their job, if I had their career, if I had their kids, if I had their car, if I had that income, you know what I would do if I had their income? You know how I would manage if I, and what, what I had if I had what they had? Like we play those games, right? So there's always someone with more than us, and there's always someone with less than us. There's someone who would love to parent your kids. There's someone who would love to make what you make. And somebody says, not me, Pastor Joel. Trust me. I have gone all over the world. I have seen poverty on the scale that defies human imagination. There's somebody out there who's thinking, if I made what you made, Do you know what I would do with that? There's always someone who has more than you. There's always someone who has less than you. And when Jesus came to him, he did not ask, well, what would you have done if I would have given you blank and blank and blank? He didn't ask that. You know what he asked? What did you do with what I gave you? The guy who had two. Oh, I love the guy who had two. He said, look, I didn't have five. (laughs) But I had two. And I took what you gave me and I made it the best it could be for you. I'm proud to show it to you. I'm not ashamed of what I did with it. I'm not ashamed of how I lived it. I'm not ashamed of how I used it. Now, it's not perfect, but I made it the best I could make it for you. I knew you were coming back. I knew I'd see you face to face. I knew we would have this moment. I knew judgment day was coming. And so I, I prepared the whole time you were away to show you what I did with what you gave me. You know what Jesus said? He's like, man, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. You'll be rewarded in the next life with much. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he came to the guy with one talent. And on his judgment day, he said, what did you do with what I gave you? And this guy, man, like, you read the story, Matthew 25, he's like, I didn't lose it. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't abuse it. I didn't, like, go out there and live like the prodigal and, like, spend it on all kinds of nonsense. Spend life on all kinds of nonsense. He's like, I just played it safe. I buried it. And here is what you gave me back to you. And it displeased him. And the moral of what Jesus is saying there is like, no, you didn't misuse it. You didn't abuse it. But you didn't with intentionality use it. You didn't with intentionality use what I gave you to expand it. And I know what, what so many people, it's like, well, you know, like, but what is it among so many? Like, 
Does my life really matter? And Jesus is like, you have no idea. You have no idea. I think about that guy who met my father at the end of a James Robinson crusade, who met him and said, if you're serious, he wasn't the preacher. I don't even know this guy's name. My father got saved at James Robinson crusade. He said, if you're serious, meet me up here tomorrow morning. He used his time. I I think time in our culture now is the chief test of generosity. He used his time. And he took my father around to all of his drug addict friends. And he made my father in front of him tell him, I'm off drugs. I've given my life to Jesus. Don't you call. Don't you contact me unless you want to know Jesus. I'm not doing drugs with you. He took him around. Met him at church. Met him at church. Gave him my opportunity of preaching the youth group. Let him meet the pastor. Let him share his testimony at Morrison Heights Baptist Church in Clinton. I don't know that guy's name. But can you imagine? I guarantee you that guy. No, I don't know his name. But that guy never could have imagined that all of this, all of that in Fondren, all of that at Highland Colony, all the people listening to this podcast, all the people who are doing this, that all that one moment would lead to all of this. And one day he'll stand before Jesus. And you know what the Lord will say? He says, I remember that service. <laughs> you were tired, it was wet, and you wanted to go home. But you saw that your time was more than just for sleep. And you saw that the life I gave you was more than just for comfort. And you sacrificed your time by learning how to pray. And you sacrificed your time by learning how to come down to an altar. When everyone else was leaving the meeting, going out the back, you came to the front. And you gave your time. And you prayed diligently with them. And you didn't have to do it because no one even trained you to. But the next day, you told them, if you're serious, meet me. And you met him there. And based off of what you did, you didn't preach the messages at Word of Life. You didn't give the altar calls at Word of Life. You didn't create a Bible school through Word of Life. You didn't build a building for Word of Life. But you did on that night what I asked you to do. You sacrificed a bit of yourself for the expansion of my kingdom. And I want to tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. You leveraged your life for the sake of the kingdom of God. And that's why we give. It, it's, it's not big gives so that we can just have big gives. And it's, it's not like volunteers so we can have another person on our serve teams. And it's not like bring somebody to church so we can get a hand raised. It's, it's not like any of these values. It's, it's not like this cute stuff. It's like we know, we know, I know. One day I'm going to see the king. One day I'm going to see the master. One day I'm going to see the Lord. One day I'm going to see Jesus and our God on that day we will find is a consuming fire in everything that was not eternal all the sports all the shopping all the the stuff that captures our attention and wins our affections all the the mounts on the wall 
all the buildings that we built, all the homes that we lived in, all the jewelry that we bought. One day, it'll all burn. It'll all burn, and it won't matter to anybody or anything. But what I will have is what I did on this earth to expand his kingdom, to bring him glory, and to introduce lost sheep to their loving shepherd. And on that day, I'll not only carry it with me, and you'll not only carry it with you, but for the rest of eternity, you'll live with a reward of what you did for his kingdom in this life and in your body. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you would give us the courage and the conviction to live for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us leverage our life. Let us leverage our resources. Let us leverage our time and our attention. Let us leverage our passions for you and your kingdom. At all of our campuses, even here at Lakeland, every head bowed, every eye closed. At every one of them. Every one of them, Lakeland, Highland Colony, Fondren, just bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, at any of our campuses, if you're here, Pastor Joel, I want to get serious with the Lord Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. All other foundations are sinking sand, and I don't care who you are, a storm will hit your life. And if it is built on any other foundation than Jesus, it'll wipe away everything. But if you're going through a struggling time right now and you're going through a time where you need a Savior and you need somebody who, like Peter when he's sinking, can cry out for mercy and the Lord picks him up, I'm telling you, Jesus is here not to just save you in the next life, but to save you in this one. And by his grace, he can pick you up. And by his mercy, he can forgive your sin, cleanse you from all your transgressions, pick you up afresh and anew. And all you have to do, oh, this is brilliant. All you have to do is surrender to him. That's it. That's all he asks. You want Jesus as your foundation? You want a rock you can stand on? You want a savior? Just call on his name. And if that's you today at all of our campuses, Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is all I'm going to ask you to do. If that's you, I want you to do something right now. I want you to lift your hand up. Island Colony, lift your hand up. Fondren, lift your hand up. Lakeland, lift your hand up. It's just an act of surrender. Hands going up all over at Lakeland. I trust at Fondren and Highland Colony. They are too. Anybody, I'll wait for you. Anybody else want to make a decision for Jesus? A decision for your family, your sons, your daughters. A decision for your wife, your husband. They need you well. Anybody else? Amazing. Now everybody at all of our campuses, just pray this prayer with me. At each one of them, you can just repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. My past and everything to this point is forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Father. By your grace, I am saved. 
you are my father and I am your child. Jesus, you are my savior. No longer will I allow the shame of my past to control me, have me, or direct me. Jesus has set me free, and I am free indeed. I say boldly, this is the beginning of the best days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, churches.